We got Tony coming up next. He's hot in the studio and With ready to go. What was the first rock and roll record? Anyway. All right, the yeah. Hit and Miss Parade yeah. show. Mm-hmm. It's always a blast. Stand by for tons of trivia and uh, great prizes from Tony. And have yourself a fabulous, fabulous weekend.
Hey, welcome to the uh, Hit and Miss Parade show here on Vancouver Co-op Radio. Uh, I seem to be uh, making an impact only on one of these meters, but I hope you can understand me. It's Tony Circa. Uh, you're listening to 102.7 FM, and you're listening to a song that uh, probably sounds like you're still listening to A-Train. In fact, you're listening to the Hit and Miss Parade show. Uh, tonight's theme, what was the first rock and roll record? Uh, and we have about 50 songs to play you, but uh, I thought that uh, we were going to be on until 9 o'clock. We're only going to be here till 8, so we're going to get through as many as we can and continue it next Friday at this time uh, for you listeners. Now, you're listening right now to Blues Part 2, which is uh, by a group that called itself Jazz at the Philharmonic. Uh, that's Illinois Jacquette honking there. And you had Jack McVie uh, as another saxophonist. The trombonist was J.J. Johnson. The pianist was a guy who billed himself as Slim Nadine, but we know better it was Nat King Cole. And guitarist who billed himself as Paul Leslie, but this was switcheroo, Les Paul. Uh, The reason why they were using these pseudonyms is because they didn't want their labels to know that they were playing on a Sunday in uh, the... uh, the home of the Los Angeles Philharmonic Orchestra. This was uh, this song did not chart. Its uh, category is jazz slash R and B. It was on the Stinson label in New York, and it was recorded on July the second, nineteen forty-four, in Los Angeles, and was released in late nineteen forty-four. We're going to tell you uh, this evening why each song is important to the question. What was the first rock and roll record? This is important because one of, it was one of the first live commercially released recordings. The musicians influenced the coming revolutions in music and tenorist Illinois Jacquette's solo performance launched a school of highly emotional honking and squealing saxophones. You heard Blues Part 1. Here's Blues Part 2.
Here we are. Um, it's Tony Circa again. I'm looking. I'm waiting for Chris. He'll be here, and when he gets here, you'll be able to phone six eight four eight four nine four and pledge some dough for this station. Have you been meaning to uh, renew your membership? Uh, well, now is the time to pick up the phone and continue to support Co-op Radio. You know the benefits of, beca- of being a member. Uh, you've already supported us. Uh, if you already have in the past, thank you very much. If you can't make it this year, if you can't make it this month, well, we'll understand. But we urge you to keep this station going, this station which is uh, different from any other uh, in this area. Uh, and because of people like you, uh, Co-op has stayed on the air for almost uh, 30 years. Now, you... Uh, uh, if you're a regular member, why don't you consider a premium membership? That's about $65. Uh, and if you're a sustainer, consider increasing your monthly donation only if you can, remember, uh, from about $10 a month to $15. And you'll get a larger tax receipt. And you'll hear songs like you just heard called uh, Blues. And you, re- you recognize the uh, the great cast of that Jazz of the Hel- uh, Philharmonic, Illinois Jacquette. You heard his honking saxophone. Uh, you heard uh, the, the Tickle of the Ivories by Nat King Cole. You know what kind of a major pop star he was. And here comes Chris. So you can start phoning, 684-8494. Um, let me talk to you about Les Paul. Uh, I just read that he's coming out with a, with a new album, uh, and it's a rock and roll album. So you should check that out. And uh, you know, of course, that Les Paul's uh, team successfully with uh, his then-wife, uh, Mary Ford, and they helped pioneer the technology of uh, multi-tracks. Uh, uh, he's, uh, he's the, um, uh, the mentor of many, many great guitarists of the 50s and 60s. And uh, we know that uh, Jack McVeigh, uh, who was also the saxophone on this song, co-wrote and recorded one of the biggest hit records of 1947. And you're going to hear it in about uh, 20 minutes. It's called 
open the door Richard. But let's go on to open the door Chris. Uh, let's go on to uh, the Honey Dripper by Joe Liggins and his Honey Drippers. was uh, the Honey Dripper with Joe Liggins and his Honey Drippers. That was number one on the R&B survey for about 18 weeks, way back in 1945. We're going to work our way up to 1955, the last uh, song of the 50 that are uh, named in this book, which is called What Was the First Rock and Roll Record? It was written by Jim Dawson and Steve Propes, with uh, forwards by Billy Vera and Dave Marsh. Now, what do they say about the Honey Dripper? The writer was Joe Liggins, the uh, head of the uh, orchestra. Uh, it was on the exclusive label from L.A. The flip side was um, the Honey Dripper Part 2. 
when and where was it recorded? April the 20th in 1945 in Hollywood. And it was released uh, April 21st, day later. Why is it important? Well, it's because it was the earliest runaway hit in the formative R&B combo style. I bet you you knew that without me even saying that. And it influenced an entire post-war cottage industry of small, independent R&B labels. And uh, a lot of people covered it. Jimmy Lunsford with the Delta Rhythm Boys, Cab Calloway, Roosevelt Sykes, and Bull Moose Jackson. And it was remade a few times by Joe himself and his Honey Drippers for specialty records. Uh, Louis Jordan, or Louis Jordan, uh, called the Dripper. Rusty Bryant, never heard of him or her. 1955, and of course, King Curtis. So, uh, what are we doing here tonight? We're here to uh, play some good music and uh, to uh, interest you in perhaps uh, contributing to this station, the Co-op Radio 102.7 on your FM. Uh, you can do that by phoning uh, Chris at 684-8494. He has his pen ready, and he's getting impatient. He's tapping it on the desk. Um, so... Uh, uh, let's make them. Let's make them happy. So uh, here we go with a song called "Be Baba Liba." And why is this song important? Why is it in this book? Because it's the first example of bebop's influence on R&B, which had evolved primarily from the big band swing and blues. Helen Humes, here she goes. <laughs> Thank you. 
Well, why don't you say, baby? You look ready as Mr. Freddy this black. How about you and me going spinning at the track? What's that, homie? If you think I'm going dancing on a dime, your clock is ticking on the wrong time. Well, what's your pleasure, treasure? You call the plays, I'll dig the ways. Hey, daddy-o, I'm not so crude as to drop my mood on a square from way back. I'm in there and have to dig life with father, and I mean father's lack. Well, baby, your play gives my wig a solid flip. You snap the whip, I'll make the trip. Well, lace up your boots and we'll room on down to a knockout shack on the edge of town. There's an eight-feet combo that just won't quit. Keep walking till you see a blue light lit. Fall in there and we'll see some sights at the house of blue lights. There's fires and broilers and Detroit barbecue ribs. But the treat of the trees is when they serve you those fine eight beats. You want to spend the rest of your brides down at the house, the house of blue Uh, the House of Blue Lights by Freddie Slack and Ella Mae Morris. Uh, that made number eight in the pop survey. Uh, it's a category, I guess, Boogie Woogie. Wouldn't you say so? That yeah, sounds Boogie Woogie. Uh, the writers were Freddie Slack and Don Ray. It was on Capitol. Uh, it was recorded in 1946. And why was it important? Well, first of all, you must have thought that both Freddie and Ella were of uh, African-American origin, but in fact, they were not. Uh, Ms. Morris and Freddie were the first two white R&B stars, and their records helped establish Capital as the first major West Coast record company. And, uh, of course, uh, no less than the Andrew sisters uh, did a cover of it, uh, Amos Milburn, Chuck, uh, Chuck Miller. Now, the song that you heard before the House of Blue Lights was Bay Baba Leba by Helen Humes with the Bill Doggett Octet. That was sort of R&B. Helen wrote it herself on the Philo label from L.A. in 1945. And why was it important? It was the first example of bebop's influence on R&B. I've told you that before, which had evolved primarily from big band swing, swing and blues. Now, it was called Bay Baba Leba, 
It was influenced by uh, Count Basie's Boogie Woogie from 1937 with the scat lyrics, and it in turn influenced Bebopalula by Gino Vincent, uh, by Little Richard Awapapalupa-Bam-Boom on Tutti Frutti, and of course, Hey Baba Needle by Chubby Checker. So, now let's talk a little bit about what kind of membership level and what it costs. Now, first of all, with regards to the monthly sustainers, they can be 10 bucks, 15, 20, or any amount. Like if you had won the lottery last uh, or this week. Buy the station. That's right. But that's what we were going to do if we won. We were going to buy the station and be on 24/7. Yeah. Uh, a regular annual membership costs fifty dollars. Uh, a fixed income annual membership costs twenty-five dollars. A premium annual membership—that's where you light a cigar with your twenty-dollar bills. That's a sixty-five dollar price tag on that. And there's something that we couldn't figure out last year, or I couldn't—an omnidirectional annual membership. That's one hundred and two dollars and seventy cents. Get it? We're on one hundred two seven. Yes. And a family slash partner. Annual membership is $75. Meanwhile, an organizational business annual membership, like Walmart or something, is $125. Uh, and a lifetime membership, and uh, we, en- we encourage people who are very young to do this because it'll last way longer than anybody else, is uh, $500. And whoever makes a pledge... Uh, any one of these memberships, they will receive an uh, a MP3 CD with all 50 songs of uh, this book that is called "What Is What Was the First Rock and Roll Record." So let's get on to hear some more music, and we're going to hear from Big Boy Crudup.
me slow. You won't be bothered with me round your house no more. But that's all right. That's all right. That's all right now, mama. Any way you do. be more familiar with um, Elvis doing that version. Uh, Elvis was uh, it was Elvis Presley's first record in 1954, and uh, Marty Robbins also did it in 1955. That was uh, Big Boy Crudup, Arthur Crudup. Uh, didn't chart with that with that blues song. He wrote it. Uh, he was on RCA Victor. Uh, and why is it important? Well, it was the first blues slash R&B record released on 45 RPM and a prototype of early rockabilly. So uh, let's, t- let's turn to the next tune, which is uh, Open the Door Richard by Jack McVeigh and his All-Stars. And you remember he was one of the guys that played the saxophone in the first tune, blues num- uh, number two. Uh, this is a song that was number two in um, the R&B chart, number three in pop. And what would we call it? We call it sort of a novelty uh, R&B. He uh, and a bunch of other crazy people wrote it. It was on the black and white label. Uh, it was uh, released on uh, December 1966, and it's important because it was an early R&B novelty record, a genre that evolved into a staple of 50s rock and roll. It was the first commercial record to fade out instead of end and also the first popular record to inspire a spate of highly successful covers, covers and answer records. Uh, important covers are uh, Count Basie, uh, Louis Jordan, Pig Meat Markham, and uh, Bill Doggett. So let's uh, hear Open the Door, Richard, Jack McVeigh, and his All-Stars. I just picked this up about a week ago. I'm very happy. been out to the club having a little ball tonight. My friend Richard went home early, you know. He's got the only key to the house. I'm going to have to knock on the door to see if I can get in. Open the door, Richard. See, Richard sleeps in the back room. It's kind of hard to hear. Maybe I better knock a little louder. Open the door, Richard. I don't think Richard heard me yet. Knock one more time to see what's going to happen here. Open the door, Richard. Open the door and let me in. Open the door, Richard. Richard, why don't you open that door? Open the door and let me 
let me in. Open the door, Richard. Richard? Richard, why don't you open that door? Richard, open up the door, man. It's cold out here in this air. Now look, there's that woman across the street looking out the window. Every time I'm late, want to find where's he been, where's he been, trying to find out what's happening. Yeah. Yes, it's me and I'm late again. Did you hear what the lady said, Jack? No, what she said, Raver? She said, oh, boy, if he was only by. Nah. I have to knock again. Richard's got to get up. Open up the door, Richard. Red, you got a key to my no, front door? I don't have no key, Jack. I don't have a key. Well, somebody got to get in the house some kind of way. Well, I know he's in there. How you know he's in there? I can hear him breathing. Boom. Let's knock one more time. Richard, open up that door, man. Maybe Richard's gone. No, Let's try him one more time. I know I got on the suit. He's got to be in there. Knock one more time, man. Open the door, Richard. Open the door and let me in. Open the door, Richard. Richard, why don't you open that door? Open the door, Richard. Richard! Open the door and let me in. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, we're now going to hear a song here on Vancouver Cooperative Radio, the Hit and Miss Parade Show with Tony and Chris. Boy, I love saying that. Uh, this is a song that was the. It's important because it was the first country blues pop hit, and it influenced people like Elvis Presley, who uh, had his own version of the song, not as good as this one. BB King and Mr. Buddy Holly. So uh, it was number one in the R&B charts for seven weeks, number 19 in the pop. It's sort of R&B blues. It's on the King label. And here it is from 1947, early 1948, tomorrow night, Lonnie Johnson. Let's 
the station you listen to i have been haven't i do you know what station you're listening to cfro vancouver cooperative radio see and we had our first pledge and who was it chris william from north van william from north van you know chris when Long you time. yes 1973 he's been a member wow he's heard a lot of stuff yeah. yes thank you very show. much thank you william no i was going to tell you chris that you know, sometimes you leave this room and you go over in the hall yeah, near the other studio. Yeah. And you know what? I can I can hear you over the air, so there must be some mic open there or oh. something. But it doesn't matter. I I can this way we can uh, know what you're doing when you leave the room. Yeah. Now I you just heard Tomorrow Night by Lonnie Johnson. I gotta tell you a few things about Lonnie Johnson. First of all, that was his first major hit record. And you know how old he was? He was 60. He was 60 years old when he just sang that song. He'd been recording since 1925, and this is 1948. Uh, he had apparently, according to what it says here, uh, a profound influence on four major artists of the 20th century. Django Reinhardt, Charlie Christian, Robert Johnson, and Elvis Presley. Uh Tomorrow Night, uh, it's, it had passive sentimental lyrics like, Tomorrow Night, will you remember what you said tonight? Tomorrow Night, with, will all our thrills be gone? Tomorrow Night, will it just be another memory or just another lovely song that's in my heart to linger on? That song was almost a blueprint for the Shirelles' 1961 pop hit, Will You Love Me Tomorrow? But his plaintive voice and relaxed style could make anything sound sincere and uh, heartfelt. He, uh, what else about him? He, another one of his fans was Robert Johnson, who's uh, now considered the most influential of all the uh, Delta bluesmen. And when you listen to Tomorrow Night, doesn't it have a little uh, a tinge of Elvis singing Blue Moon? Doesn't it, Chris? 
It does. Yes, does. Chris agrees. Yes, yes that's yes. right. Yeah. Uh, he started, uh, people uh, really got on to him in 1963. Some people did. Unfortunately, he died uh, of a stroke in Toronto uh, on June the 16th, 1970. And no less a blues man than B.B. King said, just simply, Lonnie Johnson is my idol. Wow. And Chris's idol is? Frank Sinatra. Okay, that's very... (laughs) It's wonderful. Chairman of the board. Okay, now we're up to the eighth song, and I'll describe it a little bit for you. Uh, It's called... I'm not going to tell you what it's called, but I'm going to tell you that. Why is it important? It started a trend of records concerned with rockin'. And it's by Wynoni Harris and his All-Stars. Most of you have heard of Wynoni, I'm sure. It was influenced by a couple of songs, a song by Tommy Dorsey and Roy Brown. And it influenced a spate, a spate, Chris, of rock spate, of rockin' hit songs, including uh, Good Rockin' Daddy by Eddie James and, uh, oh, just Good Rockin' at Midnight, Robert Plant. So here we go with Wynoni Harris and his all-stars on Co-op Radio, the Hit and Miss Parade show. We got the 
that song was we're going to rock we're going to roll and uh chris do you like honking i love honking yes well that was the first honking hit record remember we had honking by illinois jaquette on the first song blues and this in fact uh was influenced by blues by illinois jaquette and it influenced a whole school of honking Tenor sax, sax recordings, especially by Frank Florshow Cully. Are you familiar with Frank Florshow? Yes. yes. Yeah. So he just works up the street, doesn't he? Well. Yeah. Willis Gator Tail Jackson. Gator. Yeah. Tail. Yeah. Uh, Jackson. Uh, Wilbert Red Prysock. That's a familiar name. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cecil Big J McNeely. I know that guy. Yeah. Um, and Hell Singer. And uh, this Wild Bill Moore. Uh, I never heard of him, you know. 
<laughs> but uh, he he uh, he made this list, yeah. you know, and it started all this rock fuss. Uh, fuss, uh, we're going to rock, we're going to roll. So um, you can't say it's too soon to know, but you can sing it. Does she love me? It's too soon to know. Can I believe her when she tells me so? Is it all a game? Am I the fire or just another flame? A one-sided love would break my heart. She may be just acting and playing part if she don't love me. Better tell me so I can't hold her if she wants to go. Chris, uh, were you listening carefully to that song? It's Too Soon to Know by Sonny Tillman. Is it Tillman? Tillman and the Orioles. Well, did you agree with me that the tension built from one verse to the next? I would say so. And would you also agree that uh, Till, uh, he handed over the lead at one point to uh, George Nelson, and would you agree that George Nelson sounds like a gruff baritone. I could say so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, uh, that grand finale when Till put his velvety tenor 
to work. I, you know, I, I just can't believe that. No Wonder was number one on the R&B charts and 14 on pop. And it was on a label. It started on a label called It's a Natural. And uh, then it went to Jubilee, I guess, who had better distributing rights. It was recorded in 1948 in New York City. And you know why it's important? It's important because it was one of the first R&B vocal group hits and the inspiration for countless bird groups that defined the music of the doo-wop era. Uh, these boys were influenced by uh, the Ink Spots, the Mills Brothers. They, and it, they in turn influenced the Clovers, the Dominoes, the Royals, who were also called the Midnighters, uh, who evolved into the Midnighters, and the Crows. The Crows are going to be on uh, here later. And this song, It's Too Soon to Know, uh, important remakes. Well, <clears throat> I know one of your favorite so uh, singers is Roy Orbison. Yes. He put that out in 1966, and it made uh, up to, uh, to number 68. And Irma Thomas, Pat Boone, I know he's one of your favorites. Yes, number four, number four in 1958. Etta James, 1961. Johnny Otis, 57. And little Esther Phillips. I mean, is she ever going to grow up? But um, you're listening to co-op. And what was I going to explain to the listeners? Oh, yes. If you make a pledge, um, you will receive either uh, an MP3 uh, CD with all 50 songs, count them. Well, don't actually count them. It's all 50, all 50 songs. And people who are afraid of the word MP3 because they don't have an MP3 player, don't they don't have a computer, don't worry about it. You have a DVD machine, don't you? Well, if you don't, then worry about it. But if you have a DVD machine, most DVD machines play MP3 CDs. So what you would do when you receive this in the mail would be to put it in your DVD machine, uh, start it, and then you would uh, press display on your remote, and guess what? The first song would be up, and the name would be up on your screen. And you'd hear it. Um, I've just done it with... Uh, uh, Mojo magazine last month had the 100, uh, the 100 greatest Bob Dylan songs. So I did an MP3 with the actual uh, 100 songs. That's on one CD. Like, what do they cost, 60 cents? Um and it's eight hours long, so it, you know it's really good. But if you can't, if you don't want, if you want them on a CD, then okay, you'll get them on two CDs. If I can fit them, I don't know if I can fit them, but I think I probably can. But uh, it's for the pledge. It's for a good cause. It's for this station. Speaking of good cause, this next song is good cause. It's John Lee Hooker. This is a song that was number one. And why is it important? 
because it was the first major electrified Delta Blues hit. is on the phone that's what you're hearing uh boogie children chris you're competing with me oh i'm sorry (laughs) um boogie children uh is a song that uh, john lee hooker's done a number of times and the different part about it is that though uh, r&b bands of five to seven members were hot at the time uh he was recorded all by himself so he does that whole song by himself uh, and and also his tendency to jump time made it difficult for a band to follow him. So it was one man and his guitar and nothing else. Okay. Uh, well, almost nothing else. They amplified his guitar. He had an old Stella, I guess that's an old, and no amp. They put an amp, uh, they put a mic onto his guitar, and they put a speaker that was a... Uh, and he went into a tiny two-room studio... Uh, and they put it in the toilet bowl next door. Then we put a mic under that so the sound would bounce off the water because they wanted the echo effect. And to enhance the rhythm, they brought in a 
plank board that Hooker's foot could tap time with and set a microphone next to it. This is getting tiring. To pick up the tapping, just as, as he would normally mic a drummer. When they were finished, this solitary man, John Lee Hooker, sounded like a band. Uh, Bo Diddley said, I loved Boogie Children. Chillin'. I couldn't figure out how he got those sounds. So, you're listening to Co-op 102.7 FM. You're uh, www.coop.org if you're computer literate. Um, the uh, You're listening to the Hit and Miss Parade show. I'm Tony. He's Chris. We're going to be here again next Friday at 5.30 to continue with the with these 50 tunes. Uh, we're up to number 11 right now, and we're here till 8 o'clock. So kick back and enjoy it. Have you, do you, anybody remember the Guitar Bookie Shuffle uh, by The Virtues, number 5, in 1959? Well, this is the original by Arthur Smith and the Cracker Jacks. And why is this one important? Because it popularized boogie-woogie music on the guitar.
Thank you, Jeff from Vancouver, for your pledge. Uh, we hope you enjoy that last song, Guitar Boogie. And now uh, I, I know what's going on. You see, uh, Arthur Smith, uh, who played that song, was in the Navy. And he was stationed at Bainbridge, Maryland. And one of his old Navy, uh, Navy mates was a guitarist named Frank Virtuoso, who uh, in post-civilian life formed the Virtuoso Trio. In 1959, he retitled Smith's tune, Guitar Bookie Shuffle, and turned it into a pop hit. Uh, Smith's last record in 1963 was Tie My Hunting Down, <laughs> Hunting Dog Down Jed, a takeoff on the then popular Timey Kangaroo Down Sport by Rolf Harris. But one of his earliest tunes turned out to be his biggest seller ever. In 1955, when he was still at MGM, he had recorded a tune called Feuding Banjos. More than 10 years later, Eric Weisberg and Steve Mandel recorded it as Dueling Banjos, thinking it was a traditional bluegrass number. Nothing happened until their performance was used in the 1973 film Deliverance with uh, Bert. Uh, suddenly, Arthur Smith's old banjo tune was being played everywhere, and the only thing that stopped it from becoming America's top-selling record was Roberta Flack's Killing Me Softly with a song. Uh, as Smith put it, they claimed it was their song, so I took them to court. It was a landmark copyright case. When it was over, I got all of their earnings from the record. Got the poor guy. They got them all? Oh, well. That's business. Yes. Uh, Chris, yes. do you like party time drinking songs? Oh, love them. Do you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, this next song is by Stick McGee mm-hmm. and his yeah. buddies. Yeah. And it's a song about liquor. Of course. It was number two in 1949. We're moving up. We're going to head for 1955, you know. It was number 26 pop. It's a blues song. Uh, Stick wrote it with a guy called J. Mayo Williams on Atlantic. And the flip side is called Blues Mixture, I'd Rather Drink Muddy Water. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it was influenced by Spodiote, so stick, let's stick it. Down in New Orleans where everything's fine, all them cats is drinking that wine, drinking that mess, their delight. When it gets drunk, start singing all night, drinking wine, Spodiote, drink wine, pop, pop, wine, Spodiote, drink wine, pop, pop, wine, Spodiote, drink wine, pop, pop. Gets drunk, start fighting all night, knocking down the windows and tearing out the door, drinking half a gallon and calling for more. Drinking wine, spooty, oody, drink wine, pop, pop. Wine, spooty, oody, drink wine, pop, pop. Wine, spooty, oody, drink wine, pop, pop. Here's that bottle to me. Hoy, hoy, hoy.
those cats, they love sweet wine. Drinking wine's food, you to drink wine. Pop, pop. Wine's food, you to drink wine. Pop, pop. Wine's food, you to drink wine. Pop, pop. Pass that bottle to me. Hoy, hoy. Wine, wine, wine. Elderberry. Wine, wine, wine. Or cherry. Wine, wine, wine. Blackberry. Wine, wine, wine. Evan had. Wine, wine, wine. Oh, boy. Pass that bottle to me. Drink that slop. That's what I'm talking about. Have you got a dime? Let's get together and get a little wine. Some buys a fifth, some buys a quart. But when you buy sherry, now you're doing things smart. Drinking wine's food, you to drink wine. Pop, pop. Drinking wine's food, you to drink wine. Pop, pop. Wine's food, you to drink wine. Pop, pop. Pass that bottle to me. Thank you, Stick McGee. You know, Stick claimed years later that he and his buddies in the Army came up with the Spodioti song at a boot camp in uh, Virginia during World War II. I guess while whiling away long sessions of guzzling cheap wine. But in those days, he confessed, they didn't say Spodioti. They sang drinking wine. Um, how will I put this? Uh, mother blank, uh, blank, 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 blank drinking wine uh, but in the late 40s as Stick himself said you couldn't even say bed on a record let alone mother blank 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 uh, but before he recorded the, the, the song for Harlem Records he cleaned it up for public consumption so you're listening to the Hit and Miss Parade show with Chris and Tony by the way with this, uh, this Spodioti uh, Johnny Burnett's uh, rock and roll trio did a great version and uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, uh, Jerry said actually that that was the first song he ever performed in public. So we're up to number 14 here on the Hit and Miss Parade show on Vancouver Cooperative Radio, 102.7 FM, 684-8494. If you phone and make a pledge, you get either an MP3 of 50 classic, and I do mean classic, records, um, or you can have them on two CDs if you're bent that way I'd, I'd it's half the work if i put them on a if i put them on an mp3 uh, cd 